My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. Carpe diem. Seize the day. There's no place like home. He's looking at you, kid. Do or do not. There is no try. They remember forever the night they played the Titans. Welcome to the church at Estrella. We are so excited that you are here. My name is Pastor Caleb, and this is At The Movies. If you are joining us online via our live stream, we are super glad that you've made us a part of your day as well. Hey, we, are, we have been talking about the parables of Jesus over the summer when, you know, usually attendance at church is down, which I don't think that we have that problem today. Praise the Lord, right? Man, this is awesome. There's so many of you guys here. So cool. And so um, what we've been doing is we've been taking uh, the parables that Jesus taught. And we have been using movies to tell those parables because the whole reason that Jesus told parables and used stories was so that they were engaging and that people would listen and they would remember them. And kind of the, the same, this is the same reason that people uh, go to the movies and watch movies today is to tell a story, to be entertained and to remember things, right? And so we have been doing that uh, throughout the summer. We're going to do it a few more weeks. We've seen some really fun movies, but... Today, I'm going to warn you for a second, okay? Are you ready for this? The movie that we are going to watch will probably make you laugh and is a little bit lighthearted. However, the parable that we are using to teach on is one of Jesus' most and most potent parables that he taught. And so, you might feel a, more than a little bit uncomfortable and that's okay, right? That's a good thing. So, prepare to laugh, prepare to be challenged. Welcome to At The Movies. He is coming. Cover your butt. Cover the what? Vitruvius. Lord Business. You've hidden the craggle well, old man. Robots, destroy him! Yes, Lord Business. Your robots are no match for a master builder. For I see everything. My eyes! The craggle, the most powerful super weapon, is mine. Ah, the craggle! <laughs> now my evil power will be unlimited! Can you feel me? I can feel you. Woo! Nothing's gonna stop me now! Wait, there was a prophecy. Oh, now there's a prophecy. About the piece of resistance. Oh, yes. The supposed missing piece of resistance that can somehow magically disarm the craggle. Give me a break. <gasps> One day, a talented Lassau fellow a special one with face of yellow will make the piece of resistance found from its hiding refuge underground. And with a noble army at the helm, 
this master builder will thwart the Kragle and save the realm and be the greatest, most interesting, most important person of all times. All of this is true because it rhymes. Oh, wow. That was a great, inspiring legend that you made up. A special one? What a bunch of hippy-dippy baloney. Doorway, morning wall, morning ceiling, good morning floor. Ready to start the day. Dee, 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 dee. Ah, here it is. Instructions to fit in, have everybody like you, and always be happy. Step one, breathe. Okay, got that one down. Step two, greet the day's smile and say, Good morning, city! Step three, exercise. Jumping jacks, hit them. One, two, three. I am so pumped up. Step four, shower. And always be sure to keep the soap out of your ass. Shave your face. Rough your teeth. Comb your hair. <laughs> Wear clothes. Oop. Almost forgot that one. No, no, uh-uh, no, not that wrong. And that's it, check. Step nine, eat a complete breakfast with all the special people in your life. Hey, Planty, what do you want to do this morning? Watch TV? Me too. Hi, I'm President Business, president of the Octan Corporation and the world. Let's take extra care to follow the instructions or you'll be put to sleep. And don't forget, Taco Tuesday's coming next week. That's the day every rule-following citizen gets a free taco and my love. Have a great day, everybody. You have a great day, too, President Business. Man, he's such a cool guy. I always want to hear more of what... Wait, did he say put to sleep? All right, if you've not seen that movie, I highly recommend it. It's super clever and fun, all right? So today's going to be found in the book of Luke, and we're going to be in chapter 18, and we're going to start out on verse 9, so you can go ahead and open up your Bibles or open up your phones and click on the Bible app and click there, or we're going to have it up on the screen for you, so whatever floats your boat there on that. Um, our story, uh, our movie, kind of started off with a bang, right? At the very beginning, we've got these two guys, and, you know, we've got the piece of resistance, and Lord Business, this big, crazy, scary guy who everybody likes because he controls everything, right? And then we've got this super simple guy, Emmett, who is somehow going to stop him from taking over the world, well, because the prophecy says that he will. And then you guys can pretty much fill in the story from there, right? You guys know what's going to happen. Um, Emmett's going to stop Lord Business, and everything's going to be good. So like the Lego movie, um, our parable that we're uh, looking at today, it starts off with a bit of a bang as well. And Luke pretty much tells us the whole point of the parable or why what's going to happen before it starts. So um, let's look at chapter 18, verse 9. Um, this is talking about Jesus. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Whew. 
So these are some really big words to start out, right? He's like, even before we get into the story, he's like, listen, these, this story is for people who um, trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Now, those are some really big words. If you were with us a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this word righteous, right? We talked about it, and it's not like, surf's up, dude, righteous, right? It's not that, you know. Um, it's, it's a different word. It's actually a really weighty word. To be righteous means to be made pure or to be made right in the sight of God. That's what that means. And so basically, to be made acceptable before God. And so basically, what Luke is saying was this. He was like, hey, there are some of you that are out there that think that because you are doing a whole bunch of really good things and you're doing a whole bunch of really good works, that you're going to be made acceptable in the sight of God because of your works. He knew that people out there had a heart problem, all right? Uh, the group that, of people that he was specifically talking to were a group of people called the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were religious leaders of the day. They were known for following every iota of the law almost perfectly. In fact, they even add, added more laws to the laws that God had already set in place, and they even followed those to the T. Now, nobody can follow God's law perfectly, but they gave the appearance that they were following every single law that God had ever made and more. And so these guys were like the, were, were perfectionists. They were in control of every area of their life, and they were attempting to follow God to the T. Now, some of you are like, well, what's the problem with that, right? That sounds like, that sounds like a pretty good thing. What, what's wrong with somebody trying to follow God's law completely? Well, here's the problem with that. God put his law into place for lots of reasons, but he had two big reasons that he wanted to put his law into place, that he gave us his law, okay? The first reason was to lead us closer to himself. God put his laws into place to lead us closer to himself. And the second reason that he put his laws into place is that the more that we, you know, became closer to God and the more we attempted to follow these laws, the more we would understand how messed up we are and how impossible it actually is to follow all of his laws and that we needed some help. So those are the two reasons that God put his law into place, to lead us closer to himself and to help us understand how messed up we are and that we needed help. But you see, the Pharisees had gotten a little bit twisted in their minds. You see, because they thought that they were following all the laws to the T, they, they didn't think they needed God's help. And so actually, in trying to follow every iota of the law perfectly and then looking down on others for not following the law as perfectly as they did, they had actually strayed far away from God's heart. And so Luke was trying to say, hey, listen, there's a group of you that are like the Pharisees. There's a group of you who think that by doing good works, that God's going to be happy with you. You think that God is only concerned with the good works that you have done, and, and that's what he's looking at. But check it out. What God looks at is not actually the works that you are doing, but something else. He's concerned with something else that is different. So this is the setup for the story. And in verse 10, we meet our two main characters. Let's read that together. Verse 10. Two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. 
So we've got the setup for the story. Now we've got our two main characters. We've got our Pharisee, and we've got a tax collector. Now, let's focus in on the tax collector for just a moment. Tax collectors in Jesus' day were pretty hated individuals. Here's what their job description was. The tax collectors were Jewish people who worked for the Roman government. And their job was to take uh, money from their fellow Jewish people for taxes and give to Caesar to pay their taxes with. Okay, But here's what the tax collectors would do. They would regularly take more than what the people owed Caesar, and then they would keep the rest for themselves. So basically, their whole job was cheating and stealing people's money, all right, and keeping the profits for themselves. Do you think that these guys were liked by a lot of people? No, they were hated. People hated tax collectors. They were considered the enemies. They were considered traitors, right? Nobody liked them. So um, one of our characters um, is going to represent our tax collector in the movie, all right? We're about to see that uh, Emmett, um, he's the, the guy that's going to stop Lord Business. He has stumbled upon the piece of resistance, the thing that is going to stop Lord Business, but he's run into a little trouble, and he's hoping to find some help from his friends. So let's see what happens. Good morning, Apartment. Wake up! Ah! How did you find the piece of resistance? The piece of what? The piece of resistance. I, I, I don't... Where am I? What's happening? What's happening? Playing dumb, Master Builder. No, I... Master Builder? Oh, so you've never heard of the prophecy? No, I... Or the special... No, no, I... a liar! Look at him! Look, um... I watch a lot of cop shows on TV. Isn't there supposed to also be a... Isn't there supposed to be a good cop? Oh, yes. But we are not done yet. Hi, buddy. I'm your friendly neighborhood police officer. Would you like a glass of water? Yeah, yeah, actually. That's Too bad. Security cameras picked up this. You were found at the construction site convulsing with a strange piece. That's disgusting. Then why is it permanently stuck to your back? Me. Look, it's, it's not my fault. I have no idea how this thing got on my back. Of course, buddy. I believe you. Great. I believe you, too. You see the quotations I'm making with my claw hands? It means I don't believe you. Why else would you show up with that thing on your back just three days before President Business is going to use the crackle to end the world? President Business is going to end the world? But he's such a good guy. And Octan, they make good stuff. Music, dairy products, coffee, TV shows, surveillance systems, all history books, voting machines. Wait a minute. Come on, you can't be this stupid. Oh, come on, this is a misunderstanding. I'm just a regular, normal, ordinary guy. And I'm late to meet my best friends in the whole world. And they're probably missing me right now. They're probably out looking around. Hey, where's Emmett? Hey, where's my best friend Emmett? Hey, you know what? Ask all my friends. They'll tell you. Oh, we asked them all right. That guy's not a criminal mastermind. See? Yeah, you know, he's kind of a average, normal kind of guy. Thank you. But you know, he's not he's not like normal like us. No, he he's not that special. Wait, I'm so confused. Who are we talking about? Wait, does he work with us? Gail doesn't remember me? Look at Randy here. <laughs> he likes sausage. That's something. Gail is perky. That's something. Harry, well, when you say Harry, I go. <laughs> when you say the other guy, I go. Harry's 
I know that guy, but I know like zippy zap about him. We just talked earlier. I mean, all he does is say yes to everything everybody else is doing. You know, he's just sort of a little bit of a blank slate, I guess. That'll be $42. We all have something that makes us something, and Emmett is... nothing. There you go. All right, so nobody likes the tax collectors. Nobody likes Emmett. He's just kind of a meh character there. And so we have a contrast, though. So we've got the tax collector, and then we've got our Pharisee. Now, our Pharisee is the powerful and popular religious figure. He would have been looked up to by everyone in the community because, man, these guys, they were the ones that had figured it out. They figured out how to follow God's laws, and they had it all together, and they would have been popular, they would have been uh, powerful, they would have been influencers in the community. And so um, our character that represents uh, the Pharisee in the movie is Lord Business, okay? And so besides the whole trying to take over the world, the Pharisees weren't trying to do that. But um, uh, the Pharisees and uh, Lord Business have a lot of things in common. They're controlling, right? They're manipulative. They, they, they have this need for perfection. And we're about to see a little bit of uh, that character right now. Um, Lord Business uh, has found out that Emmett has escaped with the piece of resistance, and he's about to, uh, he's about to give it to bad cops. So let's watch that. It's the cloak of Bandaid. I hear it's super painful to take off. You want to try it on? Well, um... No, but thank you. We've done some great work over the years together, bad cop, capturing all those master builders and torturing them and whatnot. Thank you, sir. Although, you did let the piece of resistance go, the one thing that can ruin my plans, the one thing that I asked you to take care of. <laughs> That's super frustrating. It makes me just want to pick up whoever is standing closest to me and just throw them through this window and out into the infinite abyss of nothingness. I want to do it so bad. <laughs> I know you do, sir. Please, please don't. And it's not just you, bad cop, that keeps messing up my plans. People everywhere are always messing with my stuff. But I have a way to fix that. A way to keep things exactly the way they are supposed to be. Permanently. Behold, the most powerful weapon of all the relics. The Kragos! As you can see, they're loading the craggle in a big machine upstairs. I call it the Tentacle Arm Craggle Outside Sprayer, or TACO. The S is silent. So on TACO Tuesday, it's going to spray the craggle over everyone and everything with a bunch of super scary nozzles like this one. I'll show you how it works. Sir, I don't know that this is necessary. Oh, don't worry. I won't test it on you. I'll do it on your parents. What? Son. Hi. How's it going in the big city? Mommy, Daddy, what are you doing here? Okay, Pa, I just want you to act naturally, like you're were, you were going about your day. Gotcha. Yeah, keep your hand up like that. Ma, scoot two steps into the right. Pa, uh -huh. why do, whenever I talk to Ma, you start to move. Oh, sorry. Get back to where you were. Get it here. Perfect. That's great. You can't do anything better. There's no reason why you should move. Right. Now, Ma, hand on his shoulder, and you... Pa, you just moved and you just wrecked it. Uh-huh. You wrecked it! Bad cop, you see what I'm talking about? All I'm asking for is total perfection. Send in a micromanager! Oh, 
Bring me the fleece-crested scepter of Q-Tip and the police remover of Nail. You've already let the special get away once. Sir. I'm just gonna make sure it doesn't happen again. No more, Mr. Nice Guy! Oh, son! On Taco Tuesday, I'm going to craggalize the entire universe so that everyone will stop messing with my stuff! Are you gonna be with me? Or are you gonna be stuck having a tea party with your mom and dad? Son? Sorry, Dad. I have a job to do. Verse 11. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. What a prayer. So the tax collector, the, the Pharisee, wa have walked up into the temple. And the tax collector um, goes off to the side. But the Pharisee goes into the center of the temple. And he wants to make sure that God and everyone else around him hears how amazing that he is and hears all the awesome things that he has done. There was probably clapping too. It was crazy, right? I mean, he wanted to make sure that everybody knew exactly who he was and all the amazing things that he had done. President Business had uh, said it perfectly when he said, look, all I'm demanding is absolute and total perfection. And that's the mindset that the Pharisees had. They thought that that's what God wanted, that God wanted them to be absolutely perfect in every single way. And if they could achieve that perfection on their own through their works, then God would be happy with them. In fact, they sacrificed a lot of stuff. They, they, they dedicated their whole life chasing this idea of being perfect and chasing this idea of making sure that every little dot and iota of the law was fulfilled. They did crazy stuff to make sure that they were following God's law to a T. And they thought that they were made right in the sight of God. They thought that God was happy with them because of their actions. But you see, they missed it. They were close, but they missed it. They didn't understand the purpose of God's law. And as a result, their perfectionism and control led them away from God when they were trying to get close to him. And they were missing, the Pharisees were missing the one thing that everyone who's a recipient of God's grace has. Are you wondering what that is? Good. Think about it for a second, and we're going to come back to it in a minute. 
okay? Everyone who is a recipient of God's grace has this one thing. The Pharisees were missing it, okay? So Jesus immediately contrasts the prayer of the Pharisee with the prayer of the tax collector. Now, um, in our movie, um, we're going to watch Emmett has, um, has just escaped president business, and he is about to try to rally the troops around himself to try to get them together to fight Lord Business, to put the piece of resistance on the craggle and stop everything. And we're going to see how well that goes over. Remember, he is the tax collector. You have traveled far to be here for a moment of great import. We have learned that Lord Business plans to unleash a fully weaponized craggle on Taco Tuesday to end the world as we know it. Please, calm yourself, Green Ninja, Millhouse, Nice Vampire, Michelangelo, Michelangelo, and Cleopatra. There is yet one hope. The special has arisen. Have the young man step forward. As you wish, Dumbledore. I'm Gandalf. It's pronounced Dumbledore. Dumbledore? No, Dumbledore. Thought you said Dumbledore. Vitruvius! All right, you gotta write all that down, because I'm not gonna remember any of it, but here we go. The special will now give an eloquent speech. Go ahead, man. You got this. Okay. Hello. I'm Emmett. Oh, and this is the piece of resistance. Thank you. Well, uh, I know that I, for one, am very excited to work with you guys to get into the Octane Tower, find the Kraggle, and put this thing on the thing. And I know it's going to be really hard. Of 100 of our fallen master builder brothers. Well, uh, well, technically, I'm not exactly a master builder yet. What? Please, everyone, everyone, please. Rubbish! Yes, it's true. I may not be a master builder. I may not have a lot of experience fighting or leading or coming up with plans. Or having ideas in general. In fact, I'm not all that smart. And I'm not what you'd call a creative type. Plus, generally unskilled. Also, scared and cowardly. I know what you're thinking. He is the least qualified person in the world to lead us. And you are right. That's just supposed to make us feel better. Verse 13. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. In contrast to Lord Business's high rise where he could broadcast his face out to the world and he was in absolute control over everything, we find Emmett, who's kind of thrown into a room full of master builders. He knows he doesn't belong. And instead of bragging about how he found the piece or how he's the special, he goes on to tell everyone how unqualified he is to lead and how undeserving he is to be there. And so as he, and the more he talks, Everybody understands what he understands, which is that he is an outsider. He doesn't belong. When the Pharisee prayed, again, he was trying to make sure that everyone saw him. 
But the tax collector, when he went into the temple, he was ashamed. He went into the far, probably the back corner. He was probably trying to hide, and he didn't want anybody to know that he was there. He wouldn't even lift his face up to heaven because he knew that he was not worthy to do so. You see, the tax collector's prayer was short and simple. The, the Pharisee's prayer was long and complicated. Why is this? Why, what, what did the tax collector have that the Pharisee didn't have? He had a need. The tax collector had a need. He knew that he had done some messed up things. Both men... I find it very interesting that um, both men were Jewish. So that means as boys, they grew up studying the laws of God, and they grew up even memorizing some of them, right? And so, uh, and both men entered into the temple. The Pharisee, man, he, he had succeeded, and he had tried to follow every bit of God's law all the way down to the last little bit. And and he'd even added to the law to make them harder. But what he had done is he had taken the responsibility off of God, and he had taken all the responsibility and put it into his own hands. You see, he, he thought that he was closer to God than anyone, but actually, he was far away. The tax collector, on the other hand, he took a different path in life. From a boy and studying the word and studying the word of God, he actually, he let his heart get uh, distracted. He let the, the wealth and the greed of this world kind of take his heart far away from God as well. He let the greed and, and the thoughts of wants of money and the promise of a better life and, you know, chasing this great uh, comfort, right? He let all of that kind of get in the way of him pursuing God. But here's the thing. He knew that he had messed up. And so that made him desperate. He knew that because he had messed up and he had cheated so many people out of their money, like he knew that there was no way that on his own he could ever hope to satisfy a perfect God. He knew that there was no way that he, he probably didn't even think that he deserved to be in the temple, but he knew that that was the only place that he could go to communicate with God and, and even have a hope or a chance for forgiveness. Both men entered into the temple went before God. But the Pharisee didn't feel like he had a need. After all, if we can achieve uh, getting, if we can achieve, if we can achieve righteousness on our own, what can possibly do for us? If we can, if we can, as imperfect people, work our way towards making God happy, what do we need God for? Right? And that's where the Pharisee was at. The tax collector, on the other hand, knew that he had no chance. And so then we come to verse 14. And Jesus ends with a powerful statement. He says, I tell you, this man, talking about the tax collector, went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, this is one of the most quoted scriptures probably in all of the Bible besides John 3.16, right? Uh, people love to say this, man, the people who put themselves up, the humble people, they're going to be knocked down off their high horse. And the ones that are humble, they're going to be lifted up. And, and that just makes us feel really good. And so that's the, that's the whole point of the, the parable, right? We can wrap it up with a nice bow and go home. Um, 
don't humble brag like the Pharisee and, you know, don't be prideful and instead actually be humble like the tax collector and you'll be good to go. It should be nice and easy, right? But the more I studied this parable and the more I kind of dug into it, um, I, I started to get kind of confused and a little bit convicted because I began to ask, ask myself, I was like, okay, what sin really did the Pharisee commit? Like, what had he actually really done wrong? Yeah, he was full of pride, but I mean, is, it really, is God really trying to say that we shouldn't pursue him at all costs and pursue his law? Or is God trying to say that, like the tax collector, we can do whatever we want, and as long as we ask for forgiveness, that we'll be okay? Is that, is that, because if we're not careful, that's, that can kind of be the conclusion that we come to. And then God hit me with another truth. As I was reading the story, I found myself doing exactly what the Pharisee was doing. I find myself going, oh man, I am so glad that I'm not like that religious figure who is so prideful and puffed up and is so happy and wants everybody to look at him. Man, thank goodness that I am like this tax collector and, and I'm so glad that God loves me like he loves the tax collector and I'm humble and, you know, and all this stuff. And I found myself doing to the Pharisee what the Pharisee had done to the tax collector. I fell into the same trap. I began comparing my actions to the actions of another person and using my actions to make myself righteous or to, to justify my good behavior before God. Again, I fell into the same trap. I began comparing my actions to the actions of another. And I thought because my actions were a little bit better, then this person's, then that, that's what made me right before God. And that's exactly what the Pharisee was doing. You see, both men had a need, right? Both men had a need. The Pharisee had just as much of a need as a tax collector. The Pharisee just didn't realize that because he thought that, you know, again, that God was only focusing on his works. Check it out. If we are following God's law, if we were pursuing God's law, if we were pursuing Jesus, if we were pursuing following Jesus, that should lead us to one conclusion. It should lead us to understand and realize how messed up we are. It should realize, uh, lead us to realize how there is no way that a perfect God can look at us and our lives and what we do and find that acceptable or holy or worthy of being with him. That's what pursuing Jesus should lead us to do. That's what reading the laws of God should do. It should lead us to that point of humility. And when we come to that point where we realize that, man, that we are messed up, and that, that opens our eyes, and we begin to look at, and we see our, not only see ourselves how God sees us, but see others how God sees them as well, as people who have needs. Not as people who um, have it all together and are perfect or as somebody who's messed up and is a sinner. But we begin to see other people the way God sees them. As people that have a need. As people who are imperfect and need help from a perfect God to, to get better. That's what, it should, uh, that's what it should lead us to. And the great news is, is we have a solution. So uh, it would be one thing if, if, you know, following the law led us to this place where we're like, oh, man, I don't have any hope. This is terrible. I'm not going to ever be able to, you know, uh, satisfy God on my own. It doesn't matter how many good works I do. It doesn't matter. 
But then God gave us a solution, and that solution is Jesus, right? And that's the, that's the good news. The good news is that God, the, this perfect God who loves us, sent Jesus to earth. And if we put our faith in him, if he, we put our trust in him, in Jesus, and follow him, then all of a sudden, um, God doesn't see all the messed up things that we do. God doesn't see all the mistakes that we make. God doesn't see all the perfect things we've done. God doesn't see all the imperfect things that we've done. All God sees is Jesus on the cross who sacrificed himself for us to give us a free gift. And that free gift that we have, which is equal for all people, and who all people need, doesn't matter how um, ugly or how, um, you know, or how messed up we, we feel like, you know, maybe you feel like you think you are or people feel like they are, right? Everybody, or how perfect people think that they are, everybody needs this free gift. And it's available for all people, and it's amazing. And so when we, when we realize that this is available, man, it's awesome. What that does is it helps us not, not just compare ourselves to others, but it helps us look at other people and say, man, what is their need? What do they need? And how can I share the gospel with them? As we watch the next scene, I love it because it kind of represents this great equalization uh, between all people. And so we're going to watch that, and then we're going to uh, wrap up with a, a couple more things. So go ahead. <laughs> See your friends. Oh, they're finished. My world is almost finished. The last thing I need to do is finish you. No, stop, please. If you do one more thing, I'm going to unleash my secret weapon. Your secret weapon? Yes. It's called the power of the special. That sounds dumb. All right. Here it comes. My secret weapon is this. What is that? Is it super small? I don't see anything. It's my hand. I want you to take it. You want me to take your hand off? No, I want you to join me. Look at all of these things that people built. You might see a mess. Exactly. And a bunch of weird, dorky stuff that ruined my perfectly good stuff. Okay. What I see are people inspired by each other and by you. People taking what you made and making something new out of it. Finn, did you make all of this? The people are trying to stop President Business from using the craggle. What's the craggle? in there. In here. Present business is the bad guy? 
if if the construction guy said something to President Business, what would he say? You don't have to be the bad guy. You are the most talented, most interesting, and most extraordinary person in the universe. And you are capable of amazing things because you are the special. And so am I. And so is everyone. The prophecy is made up, but it's also true. It's about all of us. Right now, it's about you. And you still can change everything. got a hugger. Be careful. I have been told it might explode. School is for everyone. It takes all people, regardless of their age, regardless of how much money they make, where they come from, doesn't matter. It puts them on equal ground because it says that we all have a need. We all have a need for God. None of us can measure up to God's perfect standards. Now, it's true. Some people's sin, some people's need is greater than others. It looks messier than others. Some people's needs are a lot more obvious, right? But that doesn't matter. Just because uh, somebody has a need or it looks like they don't have a need, everyone has a need. Some people may look like they have it all together, that they never make a mistake and they never mess up and, and they've got this perfect life. But even those people have a need as well. And so at the end of the day, when faced with the gospel, we should have only one response. We should humble ourselves before God and surrender our lives to him, surrender our mess to him so that he can take care of it. And then once we find the freedom that comes in surrendering our mess to him, once we find the freedom that comes with the help that God can give us in our time of need, then we should share that gift with others. Because there's nothing better than, than meeting somebody who has a need and then letting God meet that need for them. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for, for what, you have, what you did on the cross. Father, I thank you for um, giving us your law and um, how intense it is and, and just how complicated it is. But I thank you that you gave it to us to push us closer to you and to help us realize that, man, there's no way that on our own we could ever measure up or be good enough to fulfill that law. And then, God, I just thank you so much for sending Jesus on earth to, to take um, 
take the punishment for our sins and, and give us freedom from the law and, and give us uh, access to you. Father, I thank you so much for that. And God, I just pray right now if there's anybody in here who they feel like, man, there's no way that God is going to love them or they could, man, there's no way that, uh, that they could come to church or be a, a Jesus follower because of the stuff that they've done in the past. Father, I just pray that you would help them realize that it doesn't matter what they've done, that, that you love all people. And, and Father, I pray if there's somebody in here that is um, unwillingly or unknowingly struggling with pride and, and uh, they think they're pursuing you, but actually what they're doing is they're focusing on their actions more than they're focusing on following you. I pray that you would convict them and you would help bring them back into the fold and help them realize that they do have a need. And Father, more than anything, I just ask that um, the word that uh, was, uh, your word that you spoke today would not return void in this place, Father. We love you so much and we thank you for what you've done. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.